0: traveled various places around our country and you start to learn the history you travel to other places around the world you start to realize how many hospitals orphanages schools micro enterprise projects uh, homes for at risk kids have been started by whom by by Christians right by followers of Jesus and you start to see this and you go what is it that is the impetus the inspiration to motivate so many followers of Jesus to do this now do we sometimes get it wrong absolutely there's a lot of sad evidence for that but when we stay true to Jesus and true to his mission it's remarkable all that's been accomplished through the centuries including today in the name of Jesus why does that happen you know it happened uh, even in the beginning uh, if you look back when Christianity was just an oppressed minority in about the early 300s there was this one region just as an example in Caesarea that there was a desperate food shortage this is in the early 300s and and then war broke out and then the triple whammy was that there was a pandemic and it was crushing to the people of that day who had less of a social network and government assistance etc and so people who could afford it began to flee the cities and they went out to the countryside where it was safer but there was one group that stayed behind as as a whole you know who they were they were they were the christians the christians a historian from the fourth century eusebius wrote this he said all day long the christians cared for the dying and arranged for their burial countless numbers with no one to care for them others gathered together from all parts of the city christians and distributed bread to those who had been deeply affected by the famine Eusebius goes on to say that, that uh, because of their compassion in the midst of the plague, Christians, quote, their good deeds were on everyone's lips and they glorified the God of the Christians. Isn't that great? People were like, man, did you hear what those Christians are doing? Like at the risk of their lives. There was no vaccination back. You know, they just, they were like putting their lives at risk in this plague in the time of famine and they were, they were serving that way. Now, some might go, hey, isn't Eusebius like a Christian historian? Maybe he's biased, you know, and possibly. Uh, but I don't think so because even other writers of that day said a lot of the same stuff. A few decades later, the Roman Emperor Julian, not a Christian at all, this Roman Emperor Julian recognized the compassion of Christians, was one of the causes for their rapid growth from just being on the very edge of the empire to spreading like all over the place throughout the empire. And he's writing to a pagan priest. You can look this up, um, you know, in, in history books. And Julian wrote this. He said, when it came about that the poor were neglected and overlooked by the pagan priests, it was the Christians who saw the need and devoted themselves to philanthropy. They support not only their own poor, but ours as well key statement there not only their own poor but ours as well so what's the what makes christians do that like when when christians get it right um and why do they why do they act like that you know if you go back and you see the the core of what it means to be a follower of jesus there's a couple of verses where jesus just sort of summarizes it in matthew chapter 22 you'll see this uh, at the top of your notes if you got your notes today you're seeing on the screen and here's what jesus said To be one of his followers, you you, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. That's the first and greatest, (coughs) excuse me, commandment. Like in other words, you you have a relationship with Jesus. You, You love him. Your heart belongs to him. He says the second one is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. And Jesus' first followers, you know what? They got it. They got it. You read something like John's letter, and here's what you, you read in First John chapter three. It says, "Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love, what does not know God, because God is love." In other words, he's saying, you want to see an evidence that someone really has given their life to Jesus, that they really love God? How do they do with loving other people? Even people that are difficult, people they don't like? John says a bit later, he says, whoever does not love their brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. Okay, enough convicting stuff from John and Jesus and all the rest, right? You hear a theme, right? That following the way of Jesus means following and, or valuing other people, even difficult people, people you, you don't like, people who are different than you are. And it's evidence that you really have a love for God. You love your neighbor, how? How? As yourself in other words the same dignity and respect and kindness and goodness that you hope is shown to you is what you give to the people around you you love your neighbor in the way that you would say this is the way I want you know in my best moments to treat myself or for other people to do the same so here's the question that comes up if I'm supposed to love my neighbor as myself who's my neighbor who's my neighbor I mean, if is this, this important to being a follower of Christ, to love the Lord, to love my neighbor, who's my neighbor? That's the question that Jesus addresses in the parable we want to look at today. And so I want to invite you to turn your Bibles with me to Luke chapter 10, third book of the New Testament. And if you, have your, if you don't have a paper Bible, the Bible app on your phone. And then notes on the way in, if maybe you saw on the tables, there's some notes to follow along. And if you missed those, just go to graccma.org, click bulletin, and you'll see the message notes are right at the beginning there. While you're turning there, you might not be aware that we have three campuses. We have Middleburg, we have Olmsted Falls. How to the people are friends there on Columbia Road? And then we have Lorraine Correctional. And I uh, want to say, love you guys. Uh, can't wait for the day that you can celebrate at Beulah Beach with us, some baptisms, and be on the shores of Lake Erie with us. And, <coughs> excuse me, I wanted to uh, just show you a drawing by one of the brothers there uh quentin uh you'll see a picture that quentin drew here i wanted you to see this because look how he expressed the purpose of grace grace church lorraine campus you see on the cross it says love at the top then grow and serve he's got the heart and the the world i mean quentin you did an amazing job on that in fact we had it made into a t-shirt for him and you'll see it there There it is Uh, isn't that great um That's actually Mike one of our faithful volunteers out there Mike's part of the Olmsted Falls campus uh, but just want to say Quentin you did a fantastic job thank you for sharing that and being part of the Grace family so who is my neighbor uh, and the people I'm supposed to care about let's hear what Jesus has to say you're beginning in Luke chapter 10 verse 30 Jesus says this a man he's telling a story a parable here and he says a man was going down From Jerusalem to Jericho. Why going down? Because it's about a 3,200 foot decline in elevation. And when he was attacked by robbers, they stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road. And when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So to a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, pass by on the other side. But a Samaritan, Samaritan, hold on to that one. As he traveled came where the man was and when he saw him he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii gave them to the innkeeper look after him he said and when I return I'll reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Now which of these 3 do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? Like here's the question who's my neighbor? The expert of the law who had asked the question said, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus told him, go and do likewise. It's a brilliant story. Jesus includes a real place, actual road. You'll see a picture up here that uh, demonstrates where it was actually a dangerous place. I mean, there was terrain that, you guys want to put that up there? Uh, Terrain that was lonely and tough, and it was just a, a challenging place. Like, if you were on that road, you... In fact, there was a, one of the parts of the road was called a place of blood because so many people were attacked. Jesus tells a story about a guy traveling on that road. He says, who's your neighbor, let me tell you. Even today, this is probably the second most famous parable, the first one being the parable of the prodigal son. And then this was probably in fact, even today we have laws that are called, what kind of laws? Good Samaritan laws, right? You're in a restaurant, you know, you're out to eat. Guy next to you is choking like crazy. And you're like, I, 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 got, I remember the Heimlich, maneuver, or as my kids called it, the Heimlich remover, which really works as well, right? And so you go behind him, and you're like, I'm going to give, and you, you know, and you, and and, 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 something pops out, but you also break six of his ribs. He's not able to sue you, right? You're free of liability when you are acting in the role of a good Samaritan and caring for someone. You're protected from charges as long as you didn't intentionally, like, let me try that again and see if I can break some more <laughs> ribs. And, and so you, you do that. But what's the point of Jesus telling this parable? It wasn't about, you know, trying to create laws or something like that. The, the, he was answering a question. This, this expert in the law goes, okay, I'm supposed to love my neighbor as myself, so who are my neighbors? And, and, and the indication is this guy's trying to put some parameters on it. Is it just the person who lives on my right and my left, the person across the street? Like, who, who is it? You know what Jesus tells him? He goes, everybody. It's Everybody every person is our neighbor and deserving of value that that's what jesus affirms there are no limitations your your neighbors anybody with whom you come into contact which includes people of other ethnic groups other religions everybody you you might know that the samaritans and jews how do they feel about each other that they hated each other right i mean they had different religions they were from different ethnic groups and jesus brilliantly Chooses the Samaritan, Jesus is a Jew, uses the Samaritan, a despised minority, to be the hero in the story. And what he's saying is this he's going, If that guy was willing to show value to someone that his group would say, we sort of hate them and they hate us, he goes, That's the kind of value I want you to show to every single person. And how do you do it? Second thing we learn here is that showing love includes practical help when needed. The Samaritan provides, he provides medical care, transportation, lodging, food. Love take act, takes action. It's just, it, it doesn't do a lot for, for my wife, for my kids. If I go, hey, I love you guys, love you guys, and they're like, but look at me, like, I'm struggling. I, I, love always acts, not just for the people in your closest circle, but for others as well. And, and John, one of Jesus' best friends says, if anyone has material possessions... In other words, if you have the capacity to help and you see your brother or sister in need, but you have no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but how? With actions, with actions. You don't just say you love them, you love in practical ways. We can also appreciate how Jesus acknowledges that we all have human limits and can partner with others. The Samaritan doesn't you know, take this guy to the hotel and just camp out with him and go, as long as you need me here, it might be two months, I am going to be here at your side. He doesn't do that, right? He's got other responsibilities. The reason he had material possessions is that he was able to have a job and, and he, he was able, he had means and he was, and he's like, hey, I want to make sure you're cared for, you know, this guy's going to take care of you. Tells the innkeeper, he says, if this guy, if you, I come back and there's it's not enough money, what I gave you, I'm, I'm going to give you more. I like that because we can read a story like this and we can feel overwhelmed if we think I have to help every single person to help them to the very end and Jesus is saying this guy's still a hero right he, he, he reached out he did what he could he he works with a partner um, and for us it might be agencies or whoever to say I'm gonna get you the help that you need so how do we do this how, how do we you, know, you can read a story like this and go Wow like life is so busy I if I'm really honest like, there are times that I feel like I want to be like those first two guys where I'm like, and whatever reason, they, they you know, they when they see the guy over there, they're like, I am like, I just, I didn't see him. I, I didn't see him, you know, and you, why? Maybe they were really busy. They had an agenda, which is often, you know, I'd probably say is, what would hold me back, it could be that they thought this guy is half dead, maybe he is dead, and the ritual impurity as a Levite and a priest. If they touch the guy, then they, they, can't, you know, they can't do their jobs for a while. Might have been they thought the guy is half dead, which means the attack didn't happen that long ago, which means those robbers might be where? Like I stopped to help here, and just like happens to some good Samaritans today, like you get robbed, right? And they're like, I don't want that to happen. So they scurry on and they find their way. And then you have the Samaritan comes, and something, here's the turning point in the story. Jesus says the other two, they they make a wide swath, but the Samaritan comes, and it says he felt compassion. He sees the guy, and he feels compassion. Doesn't say that about the first two. And I believe what Jesus is doing is giving us a giant clue as to a transformation that took place in this guy's heart, that something happens when you encounter Jesus, that compassion comes from Jesus, flows from Jesus, who's the ultimate good Samaritan. Think, think about this. Jesus, how is he the Samaritan? That he saw me lying on the side of the road, half dead, really fully dead spiritually, broken and bruised by life. He saw you. and So what did he do? He didn't just risk his life, he gave his life in order that you and I could could live and and have a future like the guy jesus is the ultimate good samaritan and when we've encountered that kind of compassion in jesus there's something about that relationship that we have with jesus where his spirit comes and lives inside of us and he gives us the heart of jesus i i think this guy here there was something about he he had encountered You know, Jesus said the first command is to love the Lord your God. This guy had gotten that. He had experienced a relationship with with the Lord, and now he's saying now, well, I like the way Paul puts it in in Romans chapter 5. He says, we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to do what? To fill our hearts with his love, right? To fill our hearts with his love. Think of a water, of water being poured out you know into a into a glass, and you see the the love that's that it's just like the character the heart of Jesus being poured out into you're the glass, and he's just letting his goodness and his peace and his kindness be poured out so that you have something to give to others so genuine good deeds listen to this genuine good deeds are evidence that a heart has been made new by Jesus. Jesus said this on one occasion he says. You know how you can tell the health of a tree. It says you can tell a tree by its what? By its fruit. That's right. But the fruit does not make the tree come alive. The fruit just reveals that the tree what is alive. It's the same thing for you and me. When you and I go about and we do some good things for other people and we show kindness and goodness is poured out from our lives to others. We stop and we help someone in need. It doesn't make me spiritually alive. It reveals that I have spiritual life. Does that make sense? Paul puts it this way in Ephesians chapter 2. He says this. He says, God saved you by his grace. When? When you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. You go, ha great i'm off the hook i don't have to do good things but listen what he goes on to say for we are god's masterpiece i mean let that one sink in you put your name in there you are god's masterpiece he made you shaped you he knew exactly how you would be and he he sees you as a person with great value and he has created you and me anew in christ jesus why so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Just ponder that one second. Jonathan Schaefer is God's masterpiece, and God has a whole bunch of things that he planned for me to do from a long time ago. You, Quentin, are God's masterpiece. Alyssa, Bill, Jeff, Melanie, you're, you're God's masterpiece, he made you he shaped you he formed you and he has a whole bunch of good things for you to do to express his kindness and his goodness it's like God has all of this goodness he wants to dump out on the world that he made but he doesn't just do it on his own he says I'm gonna do it through you I have all kinds of good things that I planned for you to do a long time ago so I think every day certainly every week there's different people the lord's going to bring across our path he's going to put them on your mind and he's going to go you know what Um, i think you should send that person a note of encouragement just tell them you know uh, maybe give them a gift offer to help with you know their child care do something but what can you do to be a neighbor to that person if you're saying i you know i don't really i'm not really sure or i'd like to do this on a more consistent basis out in our lobby today both of our campuses uh there are uh we call them serve central tables you see all the balloons and and people there who'd be glad to talk and say hey here's the qr code and check out all the different opportunities to serve and you can do with others you can partner with others and those of you lorraine correctional i, I mentioned last week that That there are guys that you can reach out to you can make an impact people who are new or people better off where you go this guy just got some bad news from home and and you can be their support one another in this cultural moment uh, i want to talk about some vulnerable people among us today and has been a lot in the news and almost every day it seems and who are the people who need a neighbor and some people specifically today Last week, we mentioned examples that Jesus gave from another parable. He talked about those who are hungry and thirsty. He talked about people who are strangers, like immigrants and refugees. He talked about those who are incarcerated. He talked about, he just mentioned, he's mentioned those who are sick. And he made that remarkable statement. He says that when you serve other people in need, you're actually serving whom? Jesus, right? I mean, it's it's just, it's incredible, that when we're a neighbor to the people around us, and Jesus in this current parable, that when we're neighbor, we're actually, the guy on the side of the road, when we serve that person, we're, we're really serving Jesus. So for a few minutes, I want to just mention two groups of people, big in the news, who need that kind of neighboring today. And you're going to see on the screen, we want to care for, for mothers uh, who, who find themselves in need in families, and we want to care for unborn children. It's a both-and. And, and my concern is this: that a lot of people in our society, it's either or. Uh, it's either I, I, I say a lot about the moms and reproductive rights, and and you know they they have they should have you know power over their own bodies, or all I care about is the babies. And and it's and it's a both and. We can be a neighbor to everybody because who are our neighbors? Everybody, right? Everybody in need. And so. Uh, in the wake of the supreme court decision a couple of months ago to overturn the 1973 roe v wade decision what does it look like for you and me to be to be neighbors uh, i i'm grateful for that decision i didn't know it would, it would happen in my lifetime i know some of you would disagree with me but i want to just talk about this how do we show love to moms what does it look like for us to be a neighbor to a mom who finds herself with an unplanned pregnancy you know a lot of women it says in your notes or i put a line here many women who have an abortion feel as though they had no other choice or maybe uh, the father of that little one and it can be an extraordinarily painful decision we want to be neighbors to parents in crisis like that and we can do that in a few ways uh, we can show compassion to meet needs through organizations like the cleveland pregnancy center uh, did you know that there are over 2,000 pregnancy centers around our country, more than there are Planned Parenthoods? Uh, thankfully, uh, making a difference, just coming alongside parents, saying what can we do—clothing and and baby goods and and helping, counseling, and all the rest. There's Laura's Home for women who find themselves in crisis, Cleveland Angels, which helps parents who are doing uh, foster care. They're safe families. I put the links to each one of those in your notes today great organizations that are having an impact all throughout our region and I'm so grateful that a lot of people at Grace are plugged in with these organizations in my heart I'll just tell you I hope there'll be more and more I hope there'll be more and more of you who are doing foster care coming alongside families and saying I I I want to be a part of this and and make that happen you know what else we can do not only show kindness to 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 parents who are in this but to say I can also advocate for policies And and if you're in a business position, there's a proverb that says this, if you have the power to do good for someone in need, do it. Make that happen. I take that responsibility from me. I I lead a staff team here. What what can we do about maternity leave? Can we make those longer? Can we advocate for better prenatal and postnatal care for moms who are in need? I was grateful to see that in Ohio, looks like we're going to be going from three months to 12 months of postnatal care for moms in crisis. What about childcare options? What can we do to say we're going to be a neighbor to moms, to dads who find themselves in a situation where they go, I don't know what to do. This is totally going to ruin my life and the plans for my life. Be a neighbor. Be a neighbor to parents who are in need. But let's not stop there. Let's be a neighbor to unborn children. I want to just be clear that this is not, you know, what I, I hear I'm, sometimes I hear people today like don't shove your religious views on me. This is this is not we have laws all the time that we restrict our own rights for the people around us, right? Uh Mary and I uh w- sometimes we, you know, we'll get our our kids got us this little speaker, Bluetooth speaker. We'll go out on our back patio. Can we play that music as loud as we want? No. No, if you live in, in most communities, there's a statute that you can't play the music as loud as you want. Why? Because, because your neighbors matter, right? Your neighbors matter, and I want to keep good friendships. So I restrict my freedom because of the rights of people around me. The same thing when I'm driving down the highway. I can't just drive as fast as I want. Why not? We have laws against that. They're not religious laws. The laws are just that just acknowledge that everyone has human rights, and that the people around me—if I drive ridiculously fast—that that's going to put other people around me who matter to God is going to put them in danger. So, in any democracy, freedom has limits, and those limits are often in place to protect individual persons. So, let me ask this question: Here's the key question: When does a person become a person? That's the big question. When does a person? Become a person. Did you know that all of the genetic material, anybody in science and medicine will tell you this, and even you have to be a scientist or medical person, but all of the genetic material that makes you, you, was present in that fertilized egg from the moment of conception. It didn't need anything else. You were you in that fertilized egg. I was, what made me, me was in that fertilized egg, and we grew and we grew, and maybe I, I grew a little bit too much. And, uh, and, and, and the features began to show even in utero. And unborn children are, are human beings. First a few scriptures and then what science and technology now show us. The verse on the front of your bulletin is from Psalm 139. You saw me, Lord, before I was even born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book looks in this powerful statement from Jeremiah chapter 1. The Lord says, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart. That's God speaking to you. How about this one from Luke chapter 1? John the Baptist will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he was born. That means he was a person even before he was born, right? And then when John's mother, Elizabeth, meets Mary, the mother of Jesus, like when they're both pregnant, says this, Luke 1... When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb—not in her arms, in her womb—and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. When someone says, "Well, I think a woman should have the right over her own body," I'd say, well, I, "I agree with you. Like she wants to have surgery and whatever." But when you're talking about another person, another person—if it's really a person—do I have the right to take the life of that person? You go. Well, it's dependent on the mother our son had two open-heart surgeries. And during his surgeries in the hospital, our son was completely dependent on the heart-lung bypass machine, the vent. During that temporary stage that make our son less human. Not at all, right? A baby temporarily dependent on mom. And in reality, even after birth, right? You leave a baby on its own, it's gonna die, left unattended being dependent does not make you less human and then there are the absolutely compelling pictures that my parents and many of your parents never got to see look, look at one of these pictures here that's incredible isn't it the one on the left in utero the one on the right can i tell you when my wife and i went for our sonograms for our kids i wasn't sure if she was having a seahorse <laughs> or if she was having a baby i was like i can't tell is it a dragon you know and so but nowadays, you look at something like that, and you go, "That's uh, that, that's unbelievable, right? That's a is that a, is that anything less than a person?" They need us to be their neighbors. And if you're wondering, Jonathan, why you're speaking to this today, because God has given me a responsibility. And Proverbs 31 says, "Speak for those who cannot speak for themselves. Speak." And so I'm speaking today. and I'll just say it as kindly as I can abortion is not health care it's not health care for the baby it's not health care for the mom and so when you hear someone talk about reproductive rights there are certain aspects where yes you have control over your body you can choose who you're gonna be sexually active with but when there's another person inside from the moment of conception that person is deserving of rights 38 states in our country have fetal homicide laws it just happened again recently in california you kill that mother who's expecting and you've killed two people we've acknowledged that already so when we talk about reproductive rights we say don't let the media or other groups who are trying to fight for abortion rights deceive you the lives of little ones are on the line and we don't want to walk on the other side of the road and go it's not not my baby i mean do what you want with your no you're a neighbor to that person be a neighbor be a neighbor to unborn children and their moms it's not an either or but a both let me just speak a word of grace because for some of you first i realize some of you disagree with me and i'm good with that I listed a whole bunch of resources in your notes you can read i continue to do that Uh, but, but I, I want to just say for some of you today, you go, I, I, I've had an abortion. I've been part of that as a dad, a parent, a mom, or whatever. Um, the wonder of the gospel is this. The wonder of the gospel is that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's Mary. That's me. That's you. Every one of us has a debt we can't pay. That's, we, we just can't, we can't do it. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm not hafted on the side of the road. I'm dead spiritually on the side of the road. And one of the gospel is that Jesus comes along and he saw me and he saw you and he was filled with compassion and he gave his life and he paid your debt so that you could be, the moment you put your trust in him, it's not automatic. The guy lying on the road could have said, hey, leave me alone, I want to die. He had to be willing to, so you say, Jesus, I put my trust in you. I have a debt I can't pay, thank you. And when that happens, it says that the wages of sin would be death locked out of heaven if you never received Jesus But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ the Lord. He can be totally forgiven. Part of God's family is set free. And when you hear something like that, you go, I love Jesus for that. I love the fact that he would give his life for me, that he'd have compassion for me. There's an old hymn that says, amazing love, how can it be that thou, my God, would what? Would die for me. And so when you experience grace like that and you experience the neighborly love of Jesus who gave his life for you, you just go, I want to show grace like that to the people around me. As he valued me, even when I was difficult and rebellious and all the rest, I, w- I want to do that for people around me, even people that I don't like. People I and Jesus says the same, the final verse of this passage, parable, he says, now you go and what? Do likewise. What's the core of our faith? Let's just read together again the verses that we said at the very start you'll see them on the screen here would you say these aloud with me you ready you must love the lord your god with all your heart all your soul and all your mind this is the first and greatest commandment a second is equally important love your neighbor as yourself so jesus we need your help in that we need your help to love you with all of our heart and as an expression of that, Jesus, that your love having been poured into my heart, that I will value the people around me like you do. Jesus, I pray that you would so fill every one of us with your Holy Spirit that we will see people with your eyes. We'll love them with your love. Lord, help us not to take a wide swath, swath around people that would... It would But Lord, that you'd interrupt our agenda and we trust you to help us, give us the resources, what we need, the time to get things done. Lord, we pray, help us to love neighbors, every single person we meet as we would love ourselves. We can't do it on our own, but you can, so we trust you, Jesus, in your name. Amen, amen.